Welcome back to the Perth Business Podcast. We're a podcast for Perth's business community and we give voices to entrepreneurs, creatives and thought leaders via a platform that allows you to access their stories on the go. I'm Taryn, the host of the podcast, a digital marketing gal with five years of industry experience working and networking with the best in Perth over a Bev when the best stories tend to emerge. The podcast features origin stories of our local thought leaders, their tales of tough times and tribulations, as well as their trade secrets, tips, and learn strategies that led to their success. Our dream is that you'll learn from their mistakes and challenges and implement their solutions for yourself. So grab a cup of coffee or settle in for the drive to work or to the gym and enjoy. Make sure you give us your thoughts online at Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn and hit that little subscribe button to make sure you get our episodes every week. Without further ado, here's our next guest. Introducing Erin Madeley, or better known as the Queen of Perth's market scene. Erin Madley is a vibrant and colourful business entrepreneur and mother of two who noticed a gap in Perth's market scene during her first pregnancy, which led her to creating her own market, the Perth Makers Market, in 2016. And she has since added the Perth Up Market from 2021. We chat to Erin about why markets play a critical role in supporting local makers, artisans, designers and retailers as part of the Perth economy, insights into building communities and the conscious consumer and sustainable markets, the challenges of building a business from the ground up and expanding, and Erin's personal story dealing with mental health and juggling the demands of being an entrepreneur, wife, mother and colourful creative. Can't wait to share her story with you, so let's get stuck in. Welcome back to the Perth Business Podcast. Uh, I've got Eleanor here with me today. Hey, gang. Hi. She's hey, back. Besties, I'm back. Yes, who's back? Back. Yeah. Um, back again. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like you've really, you've really done the outfit that you're wearing a service with um, the hair that's popping off. So you've got black, black headphones, black background for me, um, and some bright, brightly coloured hair. Can you... Can you tell us a little bit about the hair? Well, it's it's one of the things I was really excited about doing when I left my corporate job. Oh, so, yes. yeah, it was one of those things I, I felt like I couldn't really do when I was in a corporate job. Um, so, yeah, not long after I left and started only working for myself, I went and started embracing the rainbow unicorn inside. Yeah, I love um, that. <laughs> so it like if you look back at pictures now, it's quite a subdued version of a rainbow because it was like mm. in layers underneath. So like the top layer almost looked normal. Yeah, right. Um, right, right. Like a and so rainbow. Yeah, it was a bit of a cheeky rainbow, yeah, yeah, a sneaky yeah. rainbow. So if I show my kids that picture, they're like, oh, it's not really that rainbow, mum. And I'm like, <laughs> it, is. Yeah. it is. It must have felt like a big rainbow at the time. Oh, right? yeah. A huge change <laughs> from not having any rainbows to, you know. Yeah, it did. It was a big yeah. change, but uh, a welcome one. Yeah. yeah, awesome. I feel like dipping your toe in the rainbow pool is um, a gradual thing. It's one of the things that I wish more people did. And so mm. everyone's like, oh, I couldn't do it. I'm like, yes, you can. Yeah. And you just go do it. Yeah. Just go to the shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just see your hairdresser. Yeah. Or <laughs> like, go to the shop. I would not self-dye a rainbow situation. <laughs> there are people who do it. I watch them on like those like brand Mondo React. Oh, yes. like, yeah. Oh, he's amazing. He's so funny. Oh, I love, I love Brad, Brad Mondo. Mondo. We, mm. I actually got my friend to cut my hair Um we were doing some layers, but it was like a really fancy way of doing it. A little bit shaggy, shag cut. And she nailed it. We were like oh, on a wine amazing. tour down south and everyone was like, don't do it. And I was like, but I really, I really want a little bit of like texture, a little bit of volume. You was, know? That, was that after you cut my hair? Yeah. 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 Was, was this something Monday. that your friend had done before? Um, No, she shaves her own hair. So she's got a really short haircut and she shaved it for Be Brave. And shave, so she's got a razor and she does her own, so that makes her qualified. Um, yeah, the most qualified sure, in so. our group. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I feel like there's dead. a lot of lot of trust in that friendship. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know that I'd let a friend of yeah. mine near my hair. <laughs> I'm a bit precious. Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If you asked me to cut your hair, I'd be like, it's too good. I can't. No, sorry, <laughs> so sorry. Um, but yes. So hairy business. Speaking of hairy business, um, business. Yes, <laughs> you, that was flawless, Harry. Thank you. I was practicing that one in the car ride. <laughs> um, I'm really keen to hear about your story. So you run the Make Perth Makers Market. I do. Have I nailed that. You yes, have. Good. Yeah. Um, I can read notes. Yes. Um, uh, I think let's go back though to you. Uh, can you tell us? Are you from Perth? I'm originally from Canada. Oh, wow. I'm a Canuck. Um, a we, Canuck. we moved to Australia when I was six um, to Kalgoorlie. Mm-hmm. And 
And then when I was 12, we moved to Perth. So I feel like I'm from Perth because it's where I've lived most of my life. But um, yeah, no, originally from Canada. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So So a little bit of a change of scenery. Yeah. Yeah. Did your parents move out to work in the mines in Kalgoorlie? Yeah. So my dad worked in mining um, in like doing, he does finance things. I don't really fully understand Mm -hmm. what he does. Um, And uh, it was originally only ever supposed to be for a few years. And uh, we can all see that that was not what happened. (laughs) Uh, It's become a permanent thing. So yeah, here we are. And Still don't have extended family from that Ooh. part of my family in Australia, yeah. but you know, I've yeah. I've married some family, so that's all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's cool. That's a that's a really unique story. I don't think we've had anyone from Canada on the potty yet. So. Don't don't quiz me on Canada. I am a terrible yeah. Canadian. I, can't, <laughs> I don't know much about. <laughs> what is the flag? What what are the flag colors? They Surely. are red and white. That yes. one I know. Yeah. That one I know. Yeah. That's all and I'm like, to know. Yeah, yeah. That's all we care about. That's where the quiz is capping out at. So yeah, awesome. Off the hook. Great. <laughs> so, what was your corporate life like before Maker's Market? So, I worked at the Children's Hospital. Yeah, um, cool. So, I started there. Um, the same, same year I got married, I think, in 2008, yep. um, just working in admin in the HR department while I took a bit of a break from uni following a mental breakdown. Mm. Um, mm. And then I didn't leave until I started my own business. So I worked in human resources, but also in emergency management. So I would do, you know, fire drills and what training you need to have as a warden, um, you know, how to deal with an aggressive person. And then like when I was in human resources, it was, um, I was like the admin assistant and then the HR officer. So like writing job descriptions and helping people out and all that sort of thing. So really very different than what I do now. Yeah. And it's one of those things that a lot of people ask, you know, what did you used to do before? And I tell them and then like the look of shock on their faces. (laughs) (laughs) So like super chill, super chill background, very (laughs) calm, not at all. (laughs) No, no, it sounds like it would be hectic work. But do you think that sort of admin HR background prepared you to sort of take your own steps in your business? I definitely think a lot of the skills that I learned in those roles were very helpful. Um, Definitely the organisational side of things. Um, I am quite organised in my work life in some ways. Um, If you look at my desk, you would not believe me. (laughs) Um, But like in my head, I'm really organised and in a spreadsheet, I'm really organised. that's all that matters. It's chaos everywhere else. (laughs) Um, And then also having the confidence to speak with people. So when I was in my emergency management role, I did fire drills like in the hospital with whole buildings like that you're evacuating an entire building and, um, you know, doing education to everyone um, who worked for the Child and Adolescent Health Services and going out and doing, you know, safety reviews of the children's clinics and all those sorts of things. So I had to be confident in what I knew um, because you're educating others. Yeah, in very like high stress situations as well, I can imagine. Like you, you wouldn't want an emergency in a hospital. That's no. the last place you'd want to be evacuating people mm. from. Exactly, mm. exactly. But you know, going through all of those things and learning those skills of being able to talk to everybody who works there, ranging from like your janitors and orderlies all the way up to your your executive mm. and your doctors. Like, so you have to be able to communicate to such a wide range of people. Not everyone has English as their first language, so yeah. being really clear and concise and having those skills is really beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like I think leveraging off that a little bit as well, you mentioned that uni was a hard time for you. So how did that help you? Did you sort of learn anything during that journey that you took through to the workplace and to starting a business to, I guess, never experience that again? Yeah. So I am someone who lives with mental health issues and medicated quite happily so, nice. probably will be for the rest of my life. Nice. And, um, and so I kind of bring that openness and transparency into everything that I do. Awesome. And so a big part of like going into building a business was I was really bored at work and not feeling very engaged post having kids. And I was really looking for something else to do, only looking to replace my like three day a week part-time job, but be a bit more inspired because I was kind of heading down a bit towards depression again. And um, so by going down the path of, running my own business, it meant that I could put my mental health first. Yeah, wow. So that, you know, bit of a mental breakdown that I kind of had at uni was like my second really serious bout of depression in my life. And um, thankfully, you know, since then it's 
all been pretty decent. Mm. We've I've now learned a lot of skills along the way and make sure I always go to my therapist. Nice. And, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> important. Yes, yeah. yes, therapy for everyone. Yeah. Um, but you know, by going through all of those things and having been in therapy since the age of sixteen, on and off, um, my whole life, I now know. You know, what are the warning signs? When are the times that I need to step back? Learning to build skills in others so that I'm not the one who's the only one doing everything. And like just, you know, having all of those things in place. But also that means that we in the office also talk really openly about mental health. And so if I've got a member of my team who's like, hey, I need a mental health day. I'm like, yeah, cool. Take mental health day. How can I support you? Yeah. Like yeah. what would you like me to bring you some chocolate? Mm, that's um, so, that's <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Yeah. But um I think just by being open and honest about the fact that I struggle with these things myself, it makes it a safer environment for other people to feel that they can put their mental health first too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So what kind of values are you bringing into your business that make it different um, so that you can respect people's mental health and, and encourage like good mental health? Um Oh, that's a values-based proposition. Yeah, <laughs> I love that because I think to give you some time to think about that one, um, I think with me when I take time off from work, it's to set myself up to do better in the future, whether the future is one week from now, two weeks from now, or for the busy, hectic months coming up or whatever it might be. So I think it's really important. I'm keen to hear what you yeah, take yeah. is. And if yeah. you'd like some background on why I based it as a values question, is because a lot of my research at the moment is looking at the different values from different cultures and different, because I'm working a lot with Papua New Guineans. And so their value system is so much more around um, community and family and, and, and reinforcing those relationships, whereas our values in the West are more about like individual drive and, and, and making like the individual the strongest thing mm. um so there's mo- so much more of this like work hard play hard mentality which mm. the hustle the grind. hustle I feel like the hustle is such a value and I'm a tired gal and it's not for me so <laughs> that's why I love learning when when we don't have to do that and we can be successful and don't have to like push ourselves until we like are on a pile of tears on the floor yeah yeah I've done that I've mm. done that so many times <laughs> I've pushed myself to the point of breaking and I think you know coming at things now from a place of like, I'm now a parent and I am a wife and I am a business owner and I am a member of a community. And so it's one of those things where if you don't put yourself first and make the time to look after your health, whether it be your mental health or your physical health, you, and there's, you, you end up collapsing in a heap and Mm. then you serve no one. So it's that whole saying of like, you cannot pour from an empty cup Mm. and inevitably the people in my position, wife, mum, female business owner, um, we tend to often put ourselves last. And by doing that, you just end up doing everybody a disservice. Mm. Um, And I I want more people to think of it as, don't think of it as you have to put yourself first so that you can serve everyone else better, but you're also needing to be serving yourself. Mm. Yeah. And if I can't do that through talking to everybody about whatever is going on um, or, you know, even just allowing the space for all of those sorts of things, you, you just end up doing everyone to service. But mm. yeah, in yeah. terms of, of values, yeah, definitely community and family and creativity. Yeah. yeah. And so those are, I think, really big values that I hold and that we try and, you know, put into everything that we do. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. That was awesome. <laughs> I think that's really cool because we have a lot of people on, like I find, especially it's interesting, just observation wise, young males will come onto the podcast and um, they have this drive sort of mentality that is like, well, my dad did it or this person that I really admire who's, you know, like a YouTuber, Gary V, for example, um, everyone that they're listening to on podcasts, that sort of thing. They're like, you know, you just got to go, go, you just got to do it, man. You just got to like swallow the the hard times and get through it. And one day you'll be able to chill out, relax, have a family, etc. And that's really, really hard to hear because that is not realistic. They don't especially talk about the women. burnout, especially for women. Yeah. They don't talk about the burnout. No. Um, and then, yeah, they don't talk about the values that they are then missing out on or um, what's the word? The values that you're kind of letting uh, drop in turn in, in, um, you're sacrificing yeah, in order you. to have this yeah. like, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like the in order to win, in order win to business, win and, and be like, successful. What? Yeah. So I really feel like the definition of success is different for mm. this sort of demographic. So, what is your definition of success? 
Nice segue. I was so excited to say Well that. done. <laughs> oh, well done. I feel like um, my definition of success probably changes based on when you ask me. Yeah, Because um, cool. I am also a person who, I mean, when I set out to run my own business, I was only ever looking to replace my part-time three-day-a-week job um, with income-wise. Mm. And I'm now at a point where I have a company which runs multiple brands and I employ people, which I never thought I would do. (laughs) I only ever thought after having kids, I just wanted to go to work, do nothing, job, come home. And um, to find myself in the position I'm in now, it's just like so vastly different. So success for me, even now based on where I'm at versus pre-COVID, that's changed. So for me, success is that I'm able to employ the people that I employ and I can afford to do that and not need to stress about going out of business. Um, That's always probably going to be a worry now that we've gone through COVID because I did have to lay someone off during that period, which was really horrible. Mm. Um, But being able to work and support my family whilst still maintaining that I only work school hours and having really strict boundaries in place around that. Yeah. So... I, and then also being able to um, not just support myself financially because we're f- lucky enough to be in a p- position that we don't have to rely on my income. My yeah. income helps pay debt faster, which is mm. great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get rid of the mortgage while we can. Yeah. Um, but I can also then be a really good role model for other people who maybe are in my situation, but also for my kids, Mm. seeing that if you really want to achieve something and you work hard at it and you can put the plans in place, but also not feel like you have to do everything yourself, still making a priority for families, still making a priority for creativity and mental health and all of those sorts of things. I just feel like that's not everything. That's not something that all kids get to see. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so, I mean, those things all kind of make up my success, but I I would love to you know get everyone coming along and buying local and yep. and you know supporting more of a creative community as well. So mm. having those conversations also kind of forms that too. Yeah, absolutely. Did I answer, did I answer that question? Yeah, I, I think, think so. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I want to I want to expand a little bit more on community and mm. why markets. So yeah, let's get into the markets. Yeah. Tell us about the market and why. So I'm a maker of things. Uh, that is how I got into markets. I made and sold things at markets. So at the time I made sock toys. (laughs) You're going to have to define that. I I thought I might. So you say that to people and everyone's like, I'm sorry, what? So it's a toy made from a pair of socks. Yeah, nice. That's what I was thinking. Like Like a sock or something? No, like it's a, it's a plush stuffed animal. So oh. um, the history of sock toys actually goes back a long time, back to um, periods in, in time. I can't remember if it was the Great Depression or it was around then, but people couldn't afford to like buy materials and oh. stuff. And so they would use old workman socks to make monkeys. Um, oh, yeah. Particularly I've seen the, with yeah. the red mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, they're so sweet. Yeah. So um, that is like the origin of the sock toy. Yeah, yeah. And now, I mean, I got to a point where I was not just making monkeys. I was <laughs> making giraffes and horses and oh. dogs and penguins. And yeah. um, it all kind of came about when I was really unwell when I was pregnant. And I couldn't do my job. I had to adopt a sedentary lifestyle. We didn't know if I was going to get better. And then that eventually grew to the point where I was selling online and going and attending markets. As a hobbyist, I didn't ever really treat it as like a proper business. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that kind of introduced me into the market scene. Okay. Yeah. So um, I got to know a lot of people. So like the jumper I'm wearing today, which is by Daniel Inc. Mm -hmm. I first met him a decade ago as a stall holder at a market and he now attends my markets and I buy things from him. My kids own lots of his shirts. Um, So so it's like, it's really, really fantastic. And I found a community when I wasn't looking for one. Yeah. Not just in person, but also online. I did, and like I've got a friend now who, once again, we met online about a decade ago. She lived in the eastern states, and she has subsequently moved to Perth, and we've now met in real life, and oh. our kids are friends. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so special! It's fantastic. So um, yeah. But what I found was this really wonderful, creative network. Yeah. Um, not just in Perth, but also online, and I immediately found my family almost, you know, it was um, a really great way to, you know, get together with other people who had similar 
creative inclinations. You yeah. know, not everyone in my family or in my friendship circle was creative at the time. Um, and people who looked at what I was doing was like, this is really cool. Um, as opposed to, oh, what? <laughs> Which is like something you sometimes get from other people. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Um, and it kind of got to a point where when I was looking – to move away from my corporate job and, and start something new. I had noticed a bit of a gap in the market scene in Perth um, and I had this idea of what I wanted to do and uh, it all kind of grew from there. Yeah. Cool. So what was the gap in the market? So at the time um, you would go to markets that would kind of position themselves as being a handmade market but you would find that there were things that were not handmade locally mm -hmm. um, or they were designed but maybe manufactured overseas or they were handmade overseas and purchased by people here in Perth right, okay. um, and then being sold at the market. So yeah. it meant that it was not an even playing field for people who were handmaking items here in Perth because if you're looking at actually paying yourself for the time and cost of materials and all of those sorts of things, like a sock toy that I'm making and selling which takes two and a half to three hours to make yeah. – you're selling it for 50 bucks. It's not making a lot of money. Yeah. But, you know, if you have three stalls up from you, somebody else selling a plush toy for 10 bucks that they've mm. purchased overseas, like, I can't compete with that. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you're you're appealing to different customers as mm, well. Yeah. So um, what I was kind of finding is that there were a lot of frustrations being a storeholder at markets, not only from that kind of perspective of not being on an even playing field with others, but also... I couldn't find the information I was looking for online. I couldn't get in a hold of a market organiser. I oh. couldn't get into some markets because they only would accept the same people over and over mm. and again. Oh, right, um, right. So there were a lot of things that I found really frustrating. And I was had this kind of idea in my head of like, we could really use a strictly locally handmade only market here in Perth. Yeah. Um, and I was visiting Heathcote, which is where we're based, and thought it was a really perfect spot. Mm. I was there with my kid. And we walked into the gallery and I spoke to the gallery curator there who I didn't know she was that who she was at the time. She was just sitting at a desk, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> asked the question of if the site was hireable and she said, yes, and what do you have in mind? And I yeah. said, a locally handmade market. And she went, yes, <laughs> we should have that. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, and at the time, like, I hadn't – spoken to my husband about it. I had no business plan. This was just an idea. She was yeah. the very first person who ever heard about it. Oh, wow. But five months later, we had our first event. Five oh. months. That is such a quick uptake. Yeah. yeah. Super turn quick turnaround. That's turnaround. awesome. Yeah. yeah. It turns out yeah. when I am inspired, I yeah. pull my finger out and do the hard yards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. That's I love it. That. So it's, I, I, I've never really thought like that for something to be handmade, it really has to be local, doesn't it? Well, Everybody well, has maybe. their own different definitions yeah. of handmade. So Perth Makers Market is strictly locally handmade only. Mm -hmm. However, there are makers in all parts of the world. Just because it hasn't been made by your hands here in Perth doesn't mean it's not handmade. Yeah. It just doesn't suit our definition of handmade. Yeah. Um, so that's why Perth Makers Market, we're really strict in that capacity. So yeah, we, we yeah. don't take people just from Perth. We do take people from all around WA. We get oh. people who come from Geraldton or Albany mm -hmm. or yeah. whatever who'll drive in to attend the market. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you get other people who run other events and their definition is different. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we all kind of look at it in different ways. And I feel like there's definitely space for everyone. But, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that some people don't fit into Perth Makers Market because they don't necessarily make the whole thing themselves. Mm. And that's where we go, okay, well, maybe Perth Upmarket is a better market for you to attend. So that's right. the uh, one of the other markets that I run. And um, the Perth Upmarket is a design market. Mm. So if you design the product, but you don't necessarily make it yourself, if you do, in fact, have somebody else who'll make it for you, right? we accept you to Perth Upmarket because you've designed it. Mm. Okay. So everyone kind of has their own different definitions. So we always kind of say it's it's good to do your research and, and look around. But, yeah, yeah. you know, that's at the time that's what I was looking to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to really like uh, feature or sp put, a, put a spotlight on those people who um, – you know, might have been outpriced by the... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and definitely um, there is such a vast range of talent here in, mm. in WA as well. And, yeah. um, you know, it's really great to be able to give them an opportunity to come and be surrounded by like-minded individuals when they're at events as well. Yeah. What kind of people do you see at the market, the oh, maker's market? All kinds of people. So you get um, people from all ranges of life, um, 
we do tend to see a lot more female storeholders. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems to be what we attract, but we get people who do beauty products, sculpture, pottery, clothing, jewellery, candles, mm-hmm. um, food, amazing, yeah. delicious gourmet oh, food. I like that. What kind of snacks yeah. you got? <laughs> oh, um, <All> sorts. <laughs> so there's a, a fairly recent storeholder of ours, Perth Brittle Co. Mm. If you like brittle, oh my mm. goodness, so good. There's like a spiced <clears throat> pecan Yum. maple one that's Ooh. just like, oh, it's so It's so cool to think that everything at that market is locally sourced, locally created and, you know, provided by locals. So that is a really, really niche sort of creation that you've curated as well. I think that's really cool and super special for Perth. Um, I'm curious to hear about sort of the challenges because it sounds so great, so wonderful. And it's like, why was no one doing, why was no one doing this before? So what are, what are the big things that you've come up against in that five months that it took you from, you know, idea and conception all the way through to implementation and seeing it through to fruition? So in that really beginning stage, um, I was trying to get something off the ground in a local council that hadn't had a market running for a long time. And so no one really knew what I was supposed to be doing, (laughs) including me. Yeah. So, um, you know, the industry that we work within is not regulated. Um, It's not policed. There's no one checking you're doing the right thing. And when you go from one local council to the next, they all have different requirements. Right, okay. So, um, you know, what we have to do when we're in the city of Melville versus city of Perth, you know, that, that changes. Um, fundamentally it's the same, yeah. but the level of documentation required or what they want you to do, that does change. Mm. Um, so those sorts of things are really, really frustrating, especially when like you're wanting to do this thing, but you've got no idea where to go and no one in the council knows yeah. who to ask either. Right. So yeah. we, we muddled through and figured it out <laughs> together. Um, but one of the big frustrations is, um, within the market world, you have such a vast range of what constitutes market. Mm. And a lot of people make the assumption that it's all run by volunteers Mm. and that it's all non-profits. Actually, yeah. I don't think I've thought about that before, like a market organiser. I thought, yeah, that's not occurred to me in the past. And a lot of markets are run by non-profit communities. Like you get your Lions Club markets, you get Mm. your Rotary markets, you get your school fates, you get all of those sorts of things that are in fact run by volunteers. Mm. But on the other side of the scale, you have people like me. This is my full-time job. I don't do anything else. I am just in it. Mm. And this is my full-time job. I also employ other people. Everybody who works on event day is paid. It actually really annoys me when I hear um, our storeholders go, oh, your volunteers are so wonderful. I'm like, no, they're not volunteers. They're paid. They're paid people. I believe in paying people. I get get really weird about it. I'm like, no, if you're working, you should be paid for your time. Yeah, your time should be respected like that. Yeah, Yeah. and it's one of those things that because of that vast range – and then there's this assumption that oh, we're overcharging. And I'm like, well, actually, no, we're not. If we don't charge you this, we have no money to pay our team, but also we have no budget for advertising and marketing. Like, Yeah, so no one's yeah. going to come to your stall and, and this, buy yes. things. would be expensive to hire, right, as well <laughs> in these, like, prime locations. Yeah, it depends on where you are. And, yeah, like, okay. so, you know, it's not a, an insignificant amount of money, but, like, the most money that we spend at our events, it's, it tends to be in the people yeah, okay, and it yeah. tends to be in the promotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's one of those things that because you do have so many people who make the assumption that you're all a bunch of volunteers or that it's cheap and easy to run an event, yeah. you do get a lot of people who like, well, every once in a while we'll recruit for storeholders and you get people who comment on Facebook, oh, you guys, it's such a rip off. It's such, so much money. And, and you know, that's hard to hear Yeah, because I don't earn oodles and scats mm. of money. Like yeah. I earn a decent amount mm. to pay for life because, yeah. you know, eating is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Living in the, under a roof is yeah. Like, yes. nice. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and hopefully being debt free before I die yeah. would oh, be nice. The dream. Can that you is, imagine? I know, right? Oh it would be so good. <laughs> he's kind of a, he's kind of something I'm stewing on. Um, do you, did you find that, um, because it, it sounds like there's, so many levels of bureaucracy and and so many different uh, things you have to wrap your head around. Did you find that uh, people were dropping out of the market scene because they couldn't access it properly? Um, 
I think there are people who definitely give up on applying to certain events. Yeah. Um, now that being said, something to consider is that maybe you're getting knocked back for events because you're not suitable for that event mm. and the organiser is actually trying to do you a service. Mm. Mm. Just mm. because you think your product is suitable for a market doesn't necessarily mean that your customer is there. Interesting. And yeah. so, you know, sometimes we'll see somebody come through and you go, you know what, I could sell you a spot, but then I'm not doing you any favours because you're going to come and you're not going to sell anything. And right. that's to then just a waste of your time and money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there is that. Yeah. It could also be that you're getting knocked back because you actually haven't read the terms and conditions and you don't meet them. Yeah. Um, or it could just be that you're getting inundated by applications and you're continuing to apply with the same application and every time you get knocked back because you haven't changed mm. anything. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And this is something that I see a lot of, particularly in product categories where we're there, it's, a, it's an oversaturated market. So my examples for this are always candles and jewellery. Mm-hmm. And um, so... You, just because you make a candle, sure, maybe your candle is great. How am I supposed to know that from a picture? Mm, you have to right. tell me a story. You also have to give me really good pictures. Um, don't say, hey, go look at my website. I'm reviewing I'm do hundreds of work. applications. Yeah. I don't have time to go look yeah. at your website. Yes, I ask you for it because if we accept you, you go on our you know, on our social media and you go on our web pages with links to your, mm. um, your web page and your social media as well. But... If I'm at a glance trying to assess an application and your photos are dark and grainy and fuzzy and I can't tell what you make, or <laughs> you've like just toothpaste written, in the frame or something, yeah, <laughs> or if you've just written I I make stuff, yeah, I'm like well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> what stuff do you make? Yeah. Like, do you yeah. only make one thing? Do you yeah. make twenty things? Mm. Wait, give me more information. So, those sorts of things. I think it's it is a mix of like it can be hard to fight through some bureaucracy to get in. Yeah, but. From an organiser's perspective, if you're just expecting to get in just because you've put an application in, that's not always going to be the case. Some markets are like that. It is first in, best dressed. Whoever applies first gets the spot. Oh, true. Um, You know, and sometimes it can be that you are a regular at an event and so you're going to always get in. But for someone like me, I'm trying to have a mixture of new and returning. Yeah, right. So so you need that diversity. Yeah, yeah. that's what appeals to the public yeah 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 Yeah. I feel like you would read the event really well you'd be able to read what people are buying sort of understand how it's working in terms of the relationship between the buyers and the sellers um so do you how do you help the sellers and the market marketers um who have their stalls and their creative pieces that they are selling how do you find um that you are able to assist them to do the best. So if they've, you know, sent through the really clear candle picture, they've got some really unique points, like maybe they're, you know, unique selling points, are they sustainable, blah, 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 you know, et cetera. How do you help them do well and, like, be successful? So our biggest job is to bring a crowd. Mm. But mm. not just people for the sake mm. of people. Being, you are better off having a smaller crowd of dedicated buyers than you have a, hang, a large crowd of people who are just hanging about for a day yeah. out. Yeah. So our job is to bring the people who are genuinely interested in the people, sorry, I'm saying people a lot, the <laughs> storeholders and what they are bringing yeah. um, to sell. So like invested in the products. They're invested in the products. They're invested in supporting local. They're yeah. invested in the creative community. They're looking for something that is a unique, one of a kind. Maybe they want to get a custom piece. Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to constantly not just be appealing to our existing visitors who come to the event, but also always growing that. The number of times that you go, oh, how long have you been running for? And like, seven years. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then we do find that, you know, once people come along once or twice, they then become part of that regular foot traffic that will come to maybe not every event, but maybe yeah. every second event. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's what we're all about doing. But also, you know, trying to provide people resources um, to support them and education as well. So yeah, we offer a scholarship twice a year. Um, wow. Yeah. So, that's incredible. Yeah. Awesome. One of the things that I'm really passionate about is education for this community. Yeah. Um, yeah. To the point where like – you know, we've run workshops for free in the past where you can come and learn from an expert, teaching people the skills to take good photos or, um, you know, doing things like our scholarship where they get a mentoring session with myself and a mentoring session with our partner, Dalton Baker Productions, who work in creative mentoring space. Yeah, wow. Um, and then also it gives them a three-month membership to an online community called Make Good Things Happen. Mm. 
So um, we do that twice a year now and we, we just really want people to do well. We see so much talent and we don't think people are dropping out of this space because they can't make good things. Yeah. yeah. It's because, one, it's really hard mm. And number two, they're not thinking like a business owner. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where my question was going, I guess, because I'm I'm working with a lot of people who have there's a lot of skills that they have, and there's a lot of a lot of good things that they can bring. But I mean, part of it's because English is a second language, and but then also part of it is like the the business that they don't they don't quite know how to like do business in Perth, and mm. and so I'm I'm sort of trying to understand that gap I guess yeah yeah I mean for us it's a mindset thing a lot of the time um so many people that we see get started in making and selling stuff because they like to make stuff yeah and somebody at some point in time has gone oh you should sell that Mm. yeah this is really good (laughs) this is really good you should sell it it's how I got started yeah I was making stuff someone was like do you sell those and I went Oh, I could. Yeah, I do and now. then I started selling. I'd like, like to make some money. I love yeah, money. I would like to make money. Yeah. I, How I, much would you pay for this? <laughs> but would you like also, what? I can't continue to accumulate things yeah. I have made. <laughs> like there is a finite <laughs> amount of space. So you know, that's that's a really really common story. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so going from that mindset of oh, I just really like to make and create stuff to this actually needs to earn money. I need to be able to pay myself. It needs to be profitable. It needs to be a business. That's a really massive shift for a lot of people. And not everyone can make that shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not everyone should yeah, is the yeah. other thing. And something that I think a lot of people, before they go through this process of like turning their passion into a business is, will you still be passionate about it? Mm, yeah. And is it going to ruin it for you if yeah. you turn it into a full-time job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a really hard question. And sometimes you don't know the answer to that until you start taking the steps to turn it into a business. And then you might find that you go in a completely different direction. Yeah. 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 But yep. it's a big thing is that you do have to start thinking about it as a business. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what's the criteria? What, who, who are you looking for to win the scholarship? So we select based on um, a collaboration between myself and our partners, Dalton Baker Productions. So um, there's a form that people have to fill out. Um, So we ask questions about, you know, how long have they been in business? What are they wanting to achieve? Have they worked with anyone before? And we look at who we feel we can best help. Mm. So we get like, it's really hard trying to choose somebody as well. You get good applicants. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I bet. And so we, we go, you know, who is it that we feel is going to get the most out of it? Um, and so we try and go, okay, so maybe you're at the beginning stages of your business, but you don't really have any clear definition of what you want to do and where you want to go. That at the time, maybe we feel like that's the thing that we can help somebody with based on their answers. And if based on their answers, we go, oh, that isn't a thing we can help you with. We go, okay, well, we'll look at somebody else who, yeah, okay. who maybe we feel we can best serve them because otherwise you're just kind of wasting everyone's time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, that's a really good question. I like that. Um, I'm blown away that you have a scholarship. That's incredible. Um, On the journey that you've been on, so how long have you been doing this for? About seven years now. Seven, yeah. On this journey, what has been like the the key takeaway for you in order to keep it going? Like what is the one reason that you keep going? Or maybe it's top three. Top three. One is serving my community. Mm -hmm. Definitely I – I'm really passionate about the creative community we have here in Perth and I love being able to bring everybody together and help people grow their businesses mm-hmm. or even just support themselves. So that's a really big one. Um, but also making sure that I treat my own business like a business. I cannot yeah. be everybody's friend. Mm. Yeah, I cannot please everybody <laughs> and I am not a charity. Mm. So yeah. gosh, that's been like, and I've gone, gone through periods where, um, you know, we were an events-based business. We yeah. shut down overnight when COVID hit. Um, and we've had times where <laughs> we've had to cancel events. Yeah. And at the time we nearly went bankrupt. Mm. Um, and, you know, we shifted venues three days out from an event because of a heat wave and I lost money on that, mm. but it served my community. So I did it. Yep. So right. yeah, it's kind of trying to balance those things, but those are the two big ones yeah. for me. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I would really struggle with that when you can like you can clearly see this need and you just want to help them so much. But at the end of the day, you are running a business. Mm. Yeah, so you have to make decisions based on that. Yeah, and I've I've faced online public backlash um, and uh, like some really horrible things that have <clears> happened <throat> when I have stood by what our terms are mm. and our guidelines are. And, I, yep. you know, you you got to take extenuating circumstances into account. But I'm sorry, no, I can't refund you because you've decided you don't want to come mm. two weeks before the event. <sighs> like, yeah. that money's been spent. That money's mm. gone. It is gone. I don't have it anymore. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, our terms and conditions are there. You agree to them when you apply just because you – and then and then it's also been really hard now with COVID as well. If someone gets hit with COVID and they can't come to the market mm. – I'm sorry, I can't transfer your fee to another event. I can't yeah. give you a refund. Yeah, get someone to step in for you somehow. Yeah. yeah, and that's something that I think a lot of people who run these sorts of businesses where they're going to a market and selling products, it's an area that they can fall down on is that they are so used to running alone that yeah. if you do get hit by illness, what are you going to do? Mm. Yeah. You need to have somebody who can come in and, and support you yeah. by going and running your store for you because yeah, really most markets, point. if you're calling the day before to say you can't come mm. because you're sick, whether it's COVID or whether it's something else, it's too late for us to find somebody to take your spot. Mm. That money has gone on to you know venue hire, insurance, staffing, um, so many different things. Um, and, and unfortunately, we're not all in a position that we can just refund you. Yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting point. I think like um, I've never really thought about it, but like to have a business, it really is about all the people in the business and trying to do it by yourself is like such a challenge mm. and you just have yourself to rely on. Yeah. And so many of us, when we start out, you are doing everything yourself. Yeah. You become a jack of all trades yeah. and you have to. Yeah. But at some point you have to assess whether or not you're the right person to be doing all those things. Just because you can do something yourself doesn't necessarily mean you should be doing something yourself. And it can be really hard to make a decision to pay somebody else to do something, particularly if funds are really tight. Yes. But you have to ask yourself the question of what is the best use of your time? Time is a finite resource. You know, we, we don't have all the time in the world. Mm. Um, you know, you've got a certain number of hours per day. And if you're so if you can do social media and you love it and you're really passionate about it, great, do your social media. If you struggle to do it, pay another person to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, don't get me wrong, I can do social media. I do my own social media in many different ways. You know, our social media marketing person was out with COVID. I stepped in. I did all of it. That's fine. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can do oh, it. There no. are aspects of it I like. I like filming content. That's yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, optimizing hashtag banks is not my idea of a good time. And so <laughs> it's the first thing that I paid somebody else to do. Yeah. Um yeah. and it's one of the things that like if I could never mm -hmm. have to sit down and do scheduling ever again, that mm. would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so many people, you know, you, we feel like we have to do everything ourselves, but yeah. You don't. It's not in anyone's best interest to be that person for a really long period yeah. of time. That leads to burnout. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a good point that you've sort of made there is a, like a dream without a goal is just a dream. Like if you want to run a business, but you don't know how to get there or you don't set goals in order to get there once you realize what the challenges are. Um, I totally relate to that. Like I was like, I, I've built websites like strategically before. I know what goes into a website, what content, how long the process takes. And I was like, I'm just going to buy a WordPress template. I'm going to try it. <laughs> I, that was in like October last year. And How's that working out for you? Yeah, well, I finally so was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like many tears. No, I didn't even cry no, about it. Wasn't it wasn't tears. You've been very good about it, to be fair. I literally palmed it off to a web developer literally like two weeks ago. Because I was like, you. I don't need the website. It's fine. I'll just plot away at it and was not plotting away at shit. Yeah. And eventually I was like, uh, I actually do want a website and I know someone that could do it for me. Why am I pretending that I'm just needing a weekend free? Because yeah. like who... This I never magical have a weekend free, free weekend. Like yeah. you had to come to Monday morning and Taryn every weekend would be like, all right, this weekend I'm getting to the website. <laughs> no plans. We'll it's up. no it's plans. It's a week. I'll, I'll exercise in the morning. I'll start tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you wake up in the morning, morning. Oh, it's it's actually really cold. I don't want excuses. Yeah. 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 And, and it's one of those things that like I think it's just a really common thing. And then particularly within creative industry – I see it so many times where you're like, oh, I want to do this thing, but you you haven't set yourself a goal. Mm. And so all of a sudden you, you're you just wandering, drifting, and that's fine. Nice but if you want it to actually be something that supports yourself, write a business plan. Yeah, oh, yeah. do the doing. Is yeah. a business plan part of your, like in your skill, your upskilling? 
thing because I feel like that's such an like, interesting thing. Like I have no idea how to write a business plan. I'm all ideas. So um, Small <laughs> Business Development Corporation is where I send everybody. Yeah. Um, oh. So go to Small Business Development Corporation. They have a lot of free resources and seminars and templates and stuff. And my very first business plan that I ever wrote, I used their template. Mm-hmm. Um, I did plug. not use everything on the yep. template. Don't get me wrong. Um, you can you can find all kinds of free resources around. Yep. I don't have one that I've written um, that like to give other people, but I do regularly say, look, go check that out. It's a great free resource. It's a government resource. Yeah, yeah cool. Um, and you can find not just the template, but also a guide on how to use it. So mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of things that, you know, sometimes get missed is that you'll be given a template or a resource, but you've got no idea what to then do with it. Mm. So those things kind of go hand in hand. But also when you're looking at a business plan template, you have to remember that it's a very generic document. Yeah. Not everything in it is going to be relevant to you. So I remember going through the process of, um, so I'm actually the new owner of Perth Up Market. I took over last year and I went through the process of applying for loans mm-hmm. in order to make this purchase to grow what we were doing. And one of the things I had to do was use the bank's business plan template. My goodness, there's a lot of stuff in that that I didn't need. So that's what you have to remember is that just because something's in a template doesn't mean you have to use it. It's a guide for you. But more than anything, it's just going to help you gain some clarity and make you think about things in a different way and getting you into that mindset of this is a business. It's not just my hobby. It has to serve me. It has to serve my family. It has to serve a purpose and it has to make money. Yeah. 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 yeah, has to get yeah. the job done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, 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 that's all right. I was just going to say that I've done two business plans in my life just to kind of like, just with ideas that I had. And I was like, I wonder if I could even do this. Is it feasible? Let's do the research. Um, and then I got halfway through one, which was actually a candle business. It wasn't for me. I was helping someone else do it. But um, oh. we got halfway through and we realized we weren't going to be able to afford it because it was going to be way too expensive, like in terms of where we were starting and what we wanted to get out of it and how much we wanted to price them for. And I remember going through it and being like, it's so much jargon, it's all this. And we stripped it all the way back to uh, the cost uh, versus, you know, revenue that we needed to cover everything. And it was just a really, really good way for us to black and white see whether it was doable, Uh, you know, whether or not we needed staff, how we would package it, how you deliver them, all these little things that help you actually put your idea into something feasible and legitimate and to see whether or not you can actually. Yeah. And then even once you've written a business plan, I think it can often be one of those things that people go through the exercise to write a business plan and then they stick it in a cupboard somewhere and then mm, never look never at it again. It. Mm. That also doesn't serve you. Yeah, You have to regularly refer to it. Even if it's just, you know, you do an annual check-in and go, oh, am I reaching any of my goals. If I'm not reaching my goals, is that because my goals have changed? Um, In which case you've got to go, okay, well then I have to review what I'm doing. And some, so often, you know, we get pulled in a completely different direction than what we thought we were going to go in because you have opportunities that come up and people ask you to do things or you get this new idea and you find yourself going off on this tangent. But Mm. If that's no longer, if if those things don't serve the goal that you're still wanting to achieve, then there's no point in doing them. It's just an exercise in stroking the ego. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And you need to ask yourself those hard questions too. Like I feel like some people, I mean, honestly, I'm just projecting and this is how I feel about my PhD, (laughs) but I feel like sometimes I get feedback from my supervisors and I take it so personally. I'm like, how dare you ask me this question about my little baby, my PhD or my brilliant little ideas. But I really have to remember that it's like something separate from myself, that it's like base it's it's a job and it's not it's not me. My ideas aren't me and mm. changing them isn't gonna like ruin my life or anything. And it's mm. good to reflect and like, you know, cull things where I need to and, and stay really critical of it instead yeah. of being precious. And it's yeah. how we grow. Yeah. And it's it's also one of those things that, you know, it, when you're in this situation, whether it's your PhD or you're wanting a business, it is super personal. It's hard to not take things personally. Oh. But it is how you grow, is how you stay relevant, is how you make sure that you're still serving a purpose and serving a community and, and you know, meeting all of those goals and objectives that you might have set for yourself. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's so interesting. I like, I like the way that sort of wrapped all the points up together. So, like, change is such an in- in- inevitable thing. And I think if you can yeah. embrace it to grow your business, even better. Like, yeah. that is really key. Um that was a really, really great chat. I really loved that. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so yeah. much for having me. I've had a fabulous time. I feel like we could continue chatting for I hours. I know, it's yeah. nearly been an hour and you yeah. wouldn't think it. It's no. like, yeah, just so much to cover. 
Um, well, hopefully we'll see you at the next market. If oh, not, I'll be around. Yeah. Do you flit around? Yeah. Do you do? You I tend to. Um, I'm not necessarily there all, there all day anymore. I've got a bit of a dodgy knee, so mm. my my knee doesn't hold up all day. Yeah. But I'm always there in the morning, <clears> and I yeah. I try and leave around lunchtime, but inevitably you'll see me shopping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's I would. That would be yeah. My it's <laughs> very dangerous. Yeah. My job is very I'm dangerous to the bank yeah. account. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And the at least line. you know, like the funds are going back into yeah. You know, that's it. It's all a big. I'm circle. supporting the economy. You're supporting the local economy. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Uh, I love that. <laughs> so good. I have it on a tote bag. Yeah, that's so good. I don't have a shopping problem. I'm supporting the local yeah. economy. That's I love so that. Good. That's so good. So relevant as well off the back of COVID. So yeah. yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and to tell us more about like the markets and the importance of that in our community. I think it's really relevant, especially now. Yeah. Yeah, it's been Well, so hopefully we'll see more people along. Yeah, That's totally. It. Yeah, yeah. Oh, give us a shameless plug. Can you tell us oh, yeah. where we can find you, the dates of the ne- the next market? Yeah, so Perth Up Market is coming up on September 18th at University of WA, 10am till 4pm. You can find Perth Up Market on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and the World Wide Web. TikTok. <laughs> we are on TikTok now. It is a nice. thing that I'm making our team do, <laughs> much to some of their disgust and my hilarity. Um, we also have Perth. Uh, uh, Perth Makers Market coming up on September 25th. Once again, we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and the web. And you can find the other events that I do through my consulting business, Erin Maidley Consulting, um, also on Facebook, Instagram and the web. Um, and we're going to be looking at creating our own little creative community soon. So keep your eye out for that. It's very exciting. We'll have to keep it linked in the podcast notes so everyone knows where to click. So make yeah, sure yeah. you check the potty notes. Lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for coming along. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of the Perth Business Podcast, where we love to talk a little bit of shit while discovering gems of knowledge from professionals and those just trying their darn best in Perth. Make sure you check out past episodes for trade secrets, tips and learn strategies in various different industries. If you rate, review and subscribe, it really helps the podcast grow and reach the ear holes of many different business owners that could use the advice and insights from the learnings of our guests. If you, like our guests, are passionate about their community and open to sharing experiences, tips and ideas with other business owners, I look forward to connecting with you. You can reach out to me at theperthbusinesspodcast at gmail.com or slide into my DMs on LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook. As always, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Perth Business Podcast. I look forward to connecting with you and collaborating with you in our business community in Perth.